Welcome back to the Mutual Aid on Lockdown podcast. This is a podcast that's all about a single question, which is, how do we do mutual aid during a pandemic? I'm Ciro, and in each episode, I talk with different people who are involved in mutual aid projects during these difficult times. Today, I'm talking with Say, who is involved with the Tucson Food Share. Um, so thanks so much for, for joining on the podcast, Say. It's really awesome to have you. Um, so could you just start maybe by introducing the Tucson Food Share for those who don't know what it's about and just kind of like what it's about and how it works? Yeah, totally. Awesome. So um, Tucson Food Share in its essence is um, just a program for people to get free groceries. Um, we started this like a lot of other mutual aid projects in a, a bit of a, a flurry, right? As the pandemic stuff was creeping in on us here in this place. Um, and so what we do is we give away um, bags of free groceries on Mondays and Thursdays that people can um, come in person and pick up. And then also once a week, we go out and do deliveries for those who um, are not leaving their homes for whatever reason. Wow. Awesome. That is, that is really amazing. About how many people are involved with this? It's hard to say because it's so, um, it's such a, it's a, a breathing organism. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to guess that there's like maybe a dozen people in, involved in like the, the organizing kinds of things and um, maybe 10 or 20 other people who will come in just for a few hours every week and help do the, the basic tasks of packing bags and oh, wow. handing them to people and making deliveries. Oh wow, that's awesome! So this, um, so the as far as the organizing of this, did it kind of uh, happen right when the pandemic and the um, lockdowns and everything were starting, or was was there kind of a network in place beforehand that it emerged out of? So the we the people who started it were all um, already involved in the collective of Food Not Bombs Tucson. Awesome. And we got our initial inspiration from an email that came from um, some folks in Atlanta that were just sharing about what they were doing there. Um, they were doing a, they were just getting started with a program called Food for Life. Uh, if people want to learn about that, they can look up atlsurvival.org okay and um so seeing about about the food for life program which is basically a really similar model to us um as far as i know they're only doing deliveries and that was actually our initial plan was to just do deliveries um but yeah that was sometime in early march when it was kind of like uh the, the coronavirus stuff stopped being this like vague possibility and was clear that it was um, going to be, be a pretty huge um, disruption to 
uh, business as usual. So, um, we kind of like sprang into action, I guess. Be- before that, we just uh, which we just shared a a free meal every Sunday. Okay. In a park, where um, a lot of people hang out, a lot of unhoused people sleep in the park. And it's a pretty central location. And that was all we really did. We just cook a meal for like 30 or 40 people every week. And now we're uh, giving groceries to hundreds of people every oh, week. It wow. really changed quickly. Wow. So there, so yeah, about, you said there's about hundreds of people who are, who are, able, who are able to get food because of this mm-hmm. program, huh? Yeah, it's hard to keep track of exactly how many people um, because uh, unlike a food bank or something like that, we're not really, we don't have a paper trail. We're not asking anyone for any of their information. Uh, just if somebody asks for food, we ask for how many people they're getting food for and we give them an amount based on that. Um, so it kind of just happens, you know, maybe maybe one day we'll start tracking so that we can better answer that question, but it's um, not something we've prioritized. So the the rough guess is like somewhere between like two and 300 households a week, but it also depends on wow. the week. At first people were in a, a lot more of a panic um, and people were just losing their jobs. Um, a lot of people were just starting to self isolate Mm-hmm. And it was when um, supply in grocery stores was suddenly really down and yeah. uh, restaurants had suddenly closed. So tons of people were really scared and they were coming to us. And I think it's it's died down a bit in the past few weeks. But yeah, it was wild. Right off the bat, we put out a... A flyer this was before we could even make deliveries just a flyer that we had distribution two days a week mm-hmm. and the next day our hotline was ringing like every 10 minutes oh wow <laughs> wow unbelievable yeah it was pretty and that intense. was just that was just from a flyer yeah it's just it it didn't get actually printed out but it we put it on our we have an instagram and a facebook oh, okay. page and then um it got posted in some uh, mutual aid groups and then people just shared it so quickly so oh, tons wow. of people actually there were a lot of people who they only had our phone number or our email address and they didn't know anything other than i heard that you give away free food really? and so they would just they would just like hit us up asking for more info so a lot of people didn't even see the the flyer they didn't see our website and they just they just heard free food and they were like oh wow okay <laughs> yeah wow wow that's awesome and so in your um if if i remember correctly from the the website it it just goes to anyone who asks is that correct how does how does that work mhm yeah a lot of people are are used to the the models of like food banks and and welfare programs and stuff that want you to prove things to them and Mm -hmm. it's really important to us not to do that and to just uh trust people and Mm -hmm. um also to um uh, to understand that the those those systems exclude a lot of people people who don't have 
um, the documentation that's wanted or, mm. or whatever it is. Um, and so we, we fill in the gaps in some ways of like everyone who can't get food from the food bank or can't get food stamps or whatever for any reason. Um, and yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not here to discern who deserves food, like who's poor enough or yeah. who works hard enough. Mm-hmm. And, um, we're also not, um, going to try to like, I don't know, it, like hoarding has been a thing and that's relevant, but, um, we, you know, this is a solidarity project and there needs mm-hmm. to be. Um, there needs to be respect for everyone going on in this. And, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of resources where people can get free food, um, in my opinion, uh, the people there getting the food are not often being respected. Um, I'm speaking from experience as well as from hearing from other people that there's like Mm. often a genuine, a general sort of like air of 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 distrust Mm -hmm. um i think it can feel what's the word i'm looking for i'm so dignity is something that's like really important to people and it's like a deep value in in this culture and Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of shame in our culture around um receiving things for free or asking for help oh yeah and uh i think one of the part of the work of mutual aid is like breaking down that shame and encouraging each other to, um, to ask for help and, and just like making it known that, that that's okay. And that we, we want to know when our neighbors need help, um, so that, so that we can offer it. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And that's what I love about hearing about your project and about a lot of other projects where they're, they're able to offer this help directly in a way that, that is um, kind of corrects a lot of some of the errors that we see in, like you mentioned, the, the food banks or other kind of perspectives that are see people with an eye of suspicion in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I just love hearing about what you're doing with that. Um, when you when you started the uh, the Tucson Food Share, um, let's let's kind of rewind to the to the starting of it. And were there mm-hmm. any were there any kind of uh, hurdles that you had to overcome that that you didn't expect when you were getting this project off of the ground? What were kind of what was involved in getting this project off of the ground? I think kind of everything was a hurdle, yeah. and that's that's kind of the beauty of of doing these kinds of things as a collective without um, without any sort of bureaucracy or bosses or anyone to answer to that we just uh as things come up we talk about it and we adapt and um i mean that's the project in in its essence is um an adaptation to Mm -hmm. changing circumstances so the whole our whole model is is just like about flexibility um yeah. A, an example of a hurdle that is happening right now is that um, the restaurant that we've been working out of, which I realize I didn't mention, um, everything we do is out of a local bar and restaurant that closed down 
several weeks ago. Um, okay. And that bar and restaurant is now planning on opening up for um, takeout meals during mm. lunch hours, uh, which is right in the middle of when a lot of our operations happen. So okay. I just got out of a meeting where we were trying to figure out um, what what we were going to do differently to make sure that we could still coexist in that space. And uh, it's, it sounds like it's going to work out just fine. And, yeah. um, you know, we just have to be more communicative, communicative now with um, the the people who are working for the restaurant mm -hmm. because up until now nothing was happening there except for the food share. So we could kind of do whatever we wanted, but there was, yeah. <laughs> there's like a big pile of boxes in the corner that oh, really? <laughs> we're calling box city. Okay. That's one of the things we have to stop doing because they no need more that box part. city. <laughs> <laughs> no more box, box city must come down. <laughs> I'll miss it. Oh man, man. <laughs> So that's okay. So, so now you're just kind of adapting to that circumstance of having to coexist with the, with the normal restaurant operations. Um, that, that, so that's cool that you were able to have a restaurant that you, that you're operating out of how, um, mm -hmm. when you were first setting up this project, how were you, how did you go about finding a, a location? Like, how did you get in contact with that restaurant? And maybe I'm just thinking for somebody who's, who's listening at home and, and might want to start doing a similar thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, this this is maybe also like I feel like my answer to all, all your questions are a theme. <laughs> so the theme here, I think, for how we got in the restaurant is just like um, community conversation is is really huge for for being adaptive and for working with what's available to. So we got connected to this restaurant because um, one of the people in the Food Not Bombs Collective, uh, his roommate is friends with someone who asked the owner of the restaurant. Okay. Hey, some people are looking for a space mm -hmm. to do this grocery distribution. And it was, the timing was kind of, uh, kind of worked out really nicely because we got in there like a few days after um, the mayor of Tucson put, I don't know if it was an ordinance or what, but basically some kind of thing that said that, uh, bars and restaurants all had to close. Oh, okay. and so a few days after that, well, I think I talked to, to the owner of the restaurant, Ben, I think I talked to him the day after I remember being like, how are you? And he's like, well, I had to just lay off all of my employees, so I'm not really oh, <laughs> in a great wow. mood. Oh my gosh. And it was really interesting because I was so excited on that phone call because I was like, it's really happening. Like we're going into a restaurant and we're going to get to do this. Uh-huh. And uh -huh. and he was like, yeah, I'm really bummed. Oh, but yeah. Um but yeah, so it's so many things have 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 come together in this project just by by talking with the people that we know and connecting with new people i i've personally i feel like i have so many so many new friends that yeah. i haven't even seen in person because you know we, really we don't wow. get to do that yeah. but yeah um 
caught just like talking on the phone and getting connected with like oh you're involved in the food share you should talk to this person who uh works on this farm or this person from the food bank or this person from uh, a medic initiative or like different mutual aid projects like everyone's just like connecting and talking and that yeah wow um that's really cool i think it it like it helps us better be able to to share our resources it makes a strong resilient community oh totally yeah this is this totally ties in with the um in the previous two episodes that that i've had of this uh of this podcast that theme of community and um mm -hmm. and how community can really be the soil and these roots that that these projects emerge out of and that yeah that subject of community just keeps coming up over and over and these it sounds like there's these networks kind of in place and these connections in place and then when an emergency happens or when a situation like this happens though having those connections having those you know those friends and those networks already in place really helps to activate you know to be able to activate those and and pull stuff together it's really it's really cool to hear your story of how that was so integral in the formation of this whole program mm -hmm. um, and so another thing that I was going to ask kind of regarding community and all of that is, is how do you get your food? How do you get your supplies? That's a great question. Um, so a lot of the stuff we get for free, which is awesome, makes it makes this kind of project much more sustainable. Awesome. So we get um, we get leftovers from uh, two companies in town that do CSAs from through like a collection of local farms in the region um oh, okay. so whatever they have left they give to us and mm -hmm. um one of those um csa programs is actually it it's also a new thing in response to all this it, it's this company called pivot produce um and that it's it's run by this one person eric and he he always used to donate to Food Not Bombs, but it was, you know, it was enough for like one community meal a week. Um, but he switched to a CSA model delivering, um, and he, his business uh, structure is kind of cool. He just makes a wage and pays all of the expenses and there's no like profiting off of the top. So uh -huh. any extra money that comes in, he just buys more produce and gives it to us or gives it away to oh, wow. some people get free CSA shares for him, from him. I love that. Yeah. So we just get like boxes of local produce throughout the week uh, from him and from Tucson CSA, sometimes from local farms directly. They'll, they'll harvest the stuff that is like not pretty enough to to sell through the oh, okay. normal channels and give that to us. Um, there's a lot of that. Like anyone who lives somewhere where there's local farms, they, they call it seconds. And it's just like everything that they don't expect to sell at market because um, mm -hmm. it's like a weird shape or it's got usually it's just like it just does, it looks a little weirder okay and there's like there's tons of food that never leaves the farm because they know that it won't sell and oh, if you can wow. connect with with farmers in your area or with other you can connect with people who are running farmers markets people who do csas 
Um, and yeah, there's a lot of like less beautiful produce in your area that's probably just getting composted and uh, that can be redirected to people. Yeah. That's awesome. And so, yeah. So if somebody is listening to this and they're, and they're thinking like, I, I want to do that. I, that, that sounds like something that I can do. And, um, and there's, but there's no food, not bombs. There's no, there's no existing Mm -hmm. infrastructure. It sounds like Mm -hmm. it it is. It sounds like it would be pretty possible and pretty plausible for them to just start calling up CSAs or calling up other, you know, places like that. And Mm -hmm. is that, is that something that you think is possible or plausible for people to do? Totally. Um, we can do that. There's other ways that we get food. We get leftovers from grocery stores. Like if some things like, uh, you know, passing its expiration date or has damaged packaging, um, you can hit up, uh, grocery stores, especially the ones that sell like that are more like health food oriented or, or ones that are like locally owned tend to be more cooperative with, um, donating, but anyone might, we, we just got, a, a we just got like 200 gallons of milk from a, a big chain grocery store. They just, wow. they, somehow they got our number and they called us and they were like, we've Amazing. got a pallet of milk. We didn't even know what a pallet <laughs> of milk means. Yeah. And wow. it was a lot. Oh, I, it was a yeah. lot of milk. Wow. I and, imagine um, so. I've never seen a pallet of milk. But yeah, I know how how wide a pallet is, but I didn't realize how tall it would be. Really? <laughs> um, so someone with a big truck had to go pick that up. That is amazing. And then like a lot of people um, just want to, you know, people bring stuff from their gardens. People bring stuff from their pantries that they know they're not going to eat. Yeah. And it's a really cool way, I think, for... Um, for community building and yes, for people totally. feeling like, you know, you know, anyone can contribute to yeah. this stuff. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. Like, I love that. Yeah. It's so cool. And so, and it, and it, and it like, I don't know, I just picked up a 25 pound bag of, of beans. That was just like a bunch of, I think someone used it for a display for something. And okay. they're like, well, now what do we do with this? And they give it to us. Yeah, people harvest stuff from their gardens. Mm. Uh, and and it's like, depending on the scale that that you're operating in, that might be a huge deal. It might be a drop in the bucket. Either way, it's it's really important, I think, to to find ways to to support contributions like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we we have to be mindful of 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 sanitation stuff mm-hmm. but um if we know if if we've got if we know how to deal with it cleanly then um yeah it feels good it's really nice when That's someone great. comes by and they're like i just harvested this kale and these carrots from my garden oh wow, yeah <laughs> it's so sweet that is exciting that would be very exciting yeah and so when you get the food how do you decide what what dish to make with it like, how do you, how do you decide, okay, so tonight we're going to make uh, pasta salad or whatever? Mm-hmm. Well, so, um, we're only cooking on Sundays and the rest of the time we just give stuff out 
directly and people have to cook themselves. Oh, okay. Um, so you'll give out like dry, dry beans and those kind of things. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah. you. Awesome. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> this is reminding me the other, the big, the big, uh, source for like a lot of the calories of the food that we give out is that we buy it through the, um, the wholesale account of the business, the bar and restaurant that we're working out of. Okay. Um, and so that is, that has to be funded somehow, but Mm -hmm. it's so much cheaper than getting stuff at the grocery store or for certain things it is for, for like meat and dairy. It's not really that much cheaper, but like, uh, you know, 50 pounds, $50 will buy, will buy 50 pounds of rice and 50 pounds of beans. Wow. And I don't know if, if not everyone maybe knows how much that is. It's, 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 prob- it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's a lot. And that's what, you know, that's what like one person might spend on like groceries for a week. Yeah. And that's like that staple food for like, I don't know, 20 people for a week with, yeah. with that $50. Um, so we get, we get a bunch of, of those big 50 pound bags of stuff. And, um, because we're such a big operation, we, we buy a lot. Um, and yeah. we're fortunate that, uh, I guess we're so, we're well known enough in the community that a lot of people donate. Um, and we don't really have to try that hard to get donations, which is really unusual. Really? Grassroots projects like this, I feel like, are always hurting for money. And uh-huh. we we spend like uh, between a thousand and thirteen hundred dollars a week on wow. um, on this bulk food. Wow! And and that's like, I don't know. I don't know how much that would cost if you got it at the grocery store, but it would be a lot more. <laughs> oh yeah! Wow! Wow! This is a this is a big operation. That is it's big we were not we were not ready (laughs) that is i'm so like yeah this is just like blowing my mind to hear and it just yeah um so so into it um Mm -hmm. awesome so the so the um the the deliveries throughout the week how do you um do you just get a list when when people sign up or um or how, how do they, first of all, I guess, how, how do people sign up if they're, if they're sitting in their house in Tucson and they're like, oh, I want a delivery. How do they go about signing up? And then once they are signed up, how do you, how do you work your way through the list? Do you just kind of have delivery drivers that, that go to each address that signed up? Mm-hmm. We, so on our website, we have, um, we have some links and there's a link for request a delivery. And that goes to a Google form, which uh, a lot of mutual aid projects are using Google forms. And um, we just jumped on that bandwagon. And so the form is in English and Spanish, and it kind of describes what what we do. There's a lot of disclaimers. big ones being like, we can't guarantee anything, okay. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so people just fill it out, name, address, uh, 
how many people you want food for, um, what language you speak. And um, so for people, so plenty of people are not able to just go on a computer and fill out a form or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's really important um, in terms of accessibility to also have a, a phone phone number that people can call. Oh, okay, great. Um, so if people call our hotline, someone hopefully will answer. And um, if they're looking for a delivery, then that person can just fill in their info. Oh, okay, gotcha. Fill out the form for them. And how did you how did you do the hotline? Is this someone's cell phone or is it like a Google Voice kind of phone tree thing? Yeah, it's a Google Voice. So it's it's hooked up to. Um, I don't know if they have a limit. I think there's like eight phone numbers on it. Okay. And, um, so we can like turn on and off if we're ready to receive phone calls. So after that first day when <laughs> we were getting uh, calls every 10 minutes, I actually turned mine off. And oh, wow. I haven't worked the hotline since then because um, that sounds like boundaries. A, a, yeah, that, that sounds like a, <laughs> a full-time commitment itself just to work the hotline. Yeah. Well, that was just like right at the beginning and it's not, now it's like a few calls a day. Oh, okay. Wow. But, um, so we set up two, two hotlines. One is in Spanish, one is in English. Um, and so our, we have a flyer that's also in Spanish that has the Spanish hotline. Every once in a while, someone will call the, the other language oh, okay. that they don't speak. And, um, so People have a script if it's like someone calls and they're speaking Spanish and I don't really speak Spanish. I can like oh, okay, read the script yeah. uh, and and tell them like the number that they need to call. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll just, it, it, who, however has their phones uh, actively connected, it'll, all of their phones will ring and the first person to answer will get the call. Okay. Oh, wow. That's, that's really, that's really cool how that works. Um, mm -hmm. so the, and the other part of your, of the program is, uh, you mentioned every Sunday night, is it that there's a, a meal cooked? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's like, that's like the food, not bombs legacy that we, you know, everyone felt really strongly about continuing to do that, especially because, um, a lot of, of free meal services have stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe some will start back up again, but, um, yeah, it's, I think it's really important to, to accommodate as much as possible the, the people who are being most excluded from yeah. whatever kinds of resources there are. So Definitely. if, if people don't have a kitchen, then they can't really do much with the food that we're giving out during the week. Yeah, so. definitely. And so, um, so for the Sunday night dinners, um, I'm sure that there's probably the, the logistical on the ground that looks a little bit different because of social distancing and whatnot now. Totally. So, and mm -hmm. yeah, so what, what are the kind of some of the changes that, that you've made? And I'm wondering also maybe, um, have you gotten any, any pushback or has it, have people said that you shouldn't be doing it because of social distancing? I'm wondering. Mm -hmm. I'll answer your first part first, okay, which cool. is that um, we, yeah, we used to make uh, a bunch of different things and you could come up and ask for, for what you wanted and get 
get a get a bowl with like oh i want rice i don't want beans i want the vegetables and i don't want the salad and i'll have dessert or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and um we can't do that anymore everyone was sad about it we switched to burritos and um so we cook the burritos in the restaurant that we work out of which is really cool because it used to be in my house and oh really um, wow that wouldn't have been great for the social distancing and the self-quarantining type stuff so now it's at this restaurant where we've got tons of of cleaning supplies and Mm -hmm. uh, gloves and space um and so yeah we cook we cook there we roll burritos we wrap them in saran wrap and then there's just like two anywhere from two to four people will go out with masks on and with gloves on and um recycling our gloves anytime we touch something that's not clean um and we there's like a there's like a move that we've i wish i could show you but basically it's like we hold one end of the burrito (laughs) and and like hand it you know full full arm outstretched so that people can grab the other end so that we don't touch hands Uh um and some of the time actually lately uh um we've been also going out with this local harm reduction group that's giving out um stuff like narcan and um other resources for people living on the streets so wow uh, that's been nice but yeah Yeah. it's like a mobile thing now Uh whereas it used to be this like it was a gathering which was really beautiful and it was like everyone come down to the park and Mm -hmm. we all eat together and now it's like uh, we just have to walk up to to individual people and offer them food that way okay got you got you yeah yeah i love i love hearing that that's that um that you're like committed to still keeping it keeping it going at a time when other food services were not going anymore. I think it's really important. Um, yeah. And I think that it's, it also kind of like touches on this, this other, other kind of question about like, okay, like with social distancing, can we still do stuff like this? And it, like, the answer is like, clearly from your uh, story, the answer is yes. Like it, it, you can still keep doing it and you can still, if you think creatively make, make ways to, to do these things that still need to happen. And, um, you just, you know, you might have to do some adjustments here and there, but it's, it's important to keep, to keep it happening. I'm just love hearing that you're, that you're able to keep it going like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's cool that you have, um, that you have that restaurant that you're able to operate out of. Um, do you, oh, yeah. so one other thing was, um, do you see this project, uh, continuing on after the pandemic slash stay at home orders are over? And it kind of sounds like that it's kind of like wrapped up with the food, not bombs. And so maybe after the pandemic is over, do you think it'll just transition back into being a food, not bombs? Or do you think it will continue on in a things that things will, parts of it will continue on in their current form? Everyone feels pretty, pretty deeply committed to doing this forever. Awesome. <laughs> this is That's great. This yeah. is something that that needs to exist. Oh yeah, um, totally. All the time. And yeah, we got kind of uh I don't know. I I saw something recently that was talking about 
um, you know, build, building a, a, a more just uh, world and before we were rocking, walking and now we kind of have to run mm-hmm. and um, but yeah, this is totally something that can and should live on forever on and, and it'll certainly look different as time goes on um, but it's it's something that doesn't have to be an emergency resource and it also yeah. doesn't have to be strictly for people who are in the most dire of circumstances and i think that's really important is that like um everyone needs food yeah and um and if if that food comes from within your own community then it it's connecting you to your community it's it's building interdependence and trust and cooperation in your community and as we're all seeing um with all of the you know everyone getting laid off and whatnot um and how hard it is for some people to get you know the stimulus checks or unemployment or whatever um is that the the big the big systems that uh many of us are led to believe exist to protect us i think it's becoming apparent that they they don't really do that and yeah, exactly. wow. whether it's like um a, like a government welfare program or like a boss or access to uh, income or whatever it's it's precarious and we don't have any control over it yeah and so as much as we can can localize and communalize our our like ways of of meeting our basic needs um i think is a great thing and and will empower us to to do more like Mm -hmm. if if i i don't know say i was a plumber but i got laid off from my job as a plumber Mm -hmm. and um everyone still needs plumbing in their homes and um i have all the skills to do that but if i'm worried about paying for my food um i'm gonna try to to make money off of it but if people don't have money then they can't pay me to do plumbing for them but if i know that my community is providing food for me for free then i might be more likely to provide my plumbing skills to my community for free as well so it's kind yeah. of like a ripple effect totally it's like the more the more free resources um the more like community resources we have the the more empowered we are to show up for our communities in in whatever ways that we're able yeah totally and it kind of like explain exponentially spreads in a good way yeah that's yeah that's a perfect analogy for it i hadn't i hadn't really thought about it like that but that makes total sense um awesome so i absolutely loved this conversation thanks so much for for talking and explaining all the amazing work i'm really really appreciate it and um so before before we go could could you give uh the kind of places that people could find tucson food share maybe on instagram and facebook and the website um, we have a website. It's tucsonfoodshare.org. 
Um, and hopefully soon, um, maybe in the next few days, there will be a resource up there that is um, kind of a step-by-step, -step, like, do you want to start a food share or yes. some other kind of Oh, projects? I love that. I love that. That's so good. How do you do that? Yeah, I'm looking at the the rough draft right now. So oh, really? Good. Hopefully yes. we'll get it up soon oh, and perfect. have it on that website. Um, and uh, yeah, we have an Instagram. We're super cool. <laughs> <laughs> What's our Instagram? It's food.bombs underscore Tucson. Okay, cool. And our Facebook is food.bombs Tucson. Um, they get the same things posted to them. Cool. Perfect. Well, yeah. Well, thanks again so much. Um, yeah, I really appreciated this conversation and yeah, best of luck with what you're continuing to do. And I'm so happy that you're doing it. And so, um, yeah, if you're listening to the podcast, thanks again for listening to episode three and that's it for this episode. Thanks. <laughs>